everyone. Welcome to the Hope Hotline. I appreciate you joining in. Uh, apparently on Rumble, we got some good numbers going on right now. Um, my my watch is going to drive me crazy. I got to take this thing off. It keeps its rubber band. Like, oh gosh, keeps getting stuck. So that's my problem. That's a personal problem. If you were in this room and you looked over at Tracy right now, I can't even look at her. She has these headphones on with your hair pulled back. You look like a mouse. Oh, my word. I'm not going to even look at you. I don't think I can. Okay, so let's move right on in. This is the last week. Uh, I think you, well, next week too, but uh, register for Radiance. It is Pastor Adalas Magalas Revival Today, their women's conference next week. We fly up on Wednesday. Thursday's the first. Oh, my gosh. Why did I even look at you? And now she's like being goofy over there when I look at her. Um, I'm not looking at you anymore. So uh, Thursday is the first session and then goes all the way through Saturday. So pretty excited about that. Make sure you register online. Uh, I think it's, didn't you guys say that it, you can register if you're going to watch or if you're going to be in person? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, right. Revivaltoday.com slash radiance. I hope people can hear you, yeah, right? Hear yeah. You. Okay, we are keeping, I love that so much. We're keeping the microphone over there for, is that why you waved at me, Tracy? Because I'm not looking at you. Is that why you waved, Tracy? So that, uh, because you weren't willing to say something into the microphone? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very quiet no. They can still hear you. Okay, so we're going to keep the microphone. And I have to tell you people, I love life. I really do. My husband, it's a rare moment in time, but he was right. <laughs> he is absolutely right. I love life. He's been telling me to go live since the beginning of this podcast. I was not up for it. That's my shoes that you hear. They're cutting the circulation off of my feet, so I just took them off. Pain. Pain, my friends. So um, I do love live. We're going to stay live. We're not going to do anything else unless, well, next week we are. Actually, actually next week we do have a, both, um, both things recorded. But other than that, from this point on, we are live, period. So, uh, Heather, uh, Heather, sorry about that, Tracy. Tracy, you got anything to add for the people out there? Uh, no, I'm glad she to just be here. Waves. She I'm just glad waves. To be back. I'm glad you're back too. Yeah. We missed you. We missed you. But Aaron was a great felon. He was. Yeah, he he's, can be trans for a couple days. <laughs> oh my gosh. He he can get in touch with his personal side, his feminine side for for yeah. a couple for about two hours out of the week. Um. So you did a great job, and he is, and Aaron is in the room, as you heard. He is. He's. This is his. Might be his final time in here since we're going live. He's training Tracy, and uh, Tracy's going to go solo, I think, on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, we got this. Yeah. So, uh, from this point on, no more Aaron after today. So, uh, but we are going. Great job, Aaron. Thank you for everything you do for us. Yeah, Seriously, I love you for it. Um, we are going to go straight into the questions. Now, my first three questions are basically from the same person. And here, people, listen, they're, they're all different to a certain extent. So that's the reason why I don't mind. I, I want, if you have like a series of questions and they may all be different, I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to like split them up. And it, I'm trying to take them pretty much in the order they're given. And um, so if you put a bunch of questions all on the same page, I will try and answer all those questions. If they are all similar, I, w I probably won't do that. I'll break them up a little bit. But for the most part, this the first three are from the same person. So if it's you, then you'll know. They're very good questions, though. I, I actually was, I was very happy with them. So it says, the Bible talks about faith as small as a mustard seed, super small. Actually, uh, that mustard seed seed is the tiniest seed that exists. How is it that someone can have such huge faith that seems larger than containable and yet still not move the mountain? So that mustard seed is the tiniest seed, but it actually grows the largest plant. So it, it it's funny how God made the mustard seed and he used it as an example uh, because you can have small faith or, us, you know, what God said or what Jesus was saying is your faith can be small and you can still 
uh, it can be, you know, the seed of the mustard seed is, is, is going to grow something big, but you can have such small faith that you can even move a mountain. Now, all of us are given a measure of faith. I won't get ahead of myself, but, um, I don't think we all use the measure that we've been provided. And, and a lot of the teachings that I listen to all confirm this because we should be growing in the measure that we've been given. We start, we start small and we grow in that and we see uh, bigger, better things because of the faith that we're progressing in. But let's look at that scripture because uh, you referenced the uh, moving the mountain. It says um, in Mark 11, 20 through 22, it says, Now in the morning as they passed by, and this would be the disciples with Jesus, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So the day before they were walking past this fig tree and Jesus cursed it. And the reason he cursed it is because um, the fig tree was producing leaves. When it produced leaves, it should produce fruit. And because it did not, Jesus cursed it. Look, the fig tree, you, um, the fig tree you, which you cursed has withered away. In order for, and, and there's, um, Matthew talks about this too, but what Jesus basically did is he cursed the tree at the root. The root is where um, everything lives and grows. So when he cursed the tree, he actually cursed the root. And from the root up, it died. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and, had, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And therefore I say um, to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Something interesting, and I'm not going to go into this in great detail, but I will tell you the mountain that he was talking about. Do some research on this because it's super interesting. Um, the um, mountain that he's referring to when he was speaking to the disciples, he basically pointed to a mountain, sp was speaking about that particular mountain. If you study it out, it's it'll blow your mind because even that mountain was significant as to the reason into what he was saying about say to that mountain, be cast into the sea. It's very, very, I mean, there, nothing that Jesus did, God does, is inconsistent. Insignificant. Say that for me. Insignificant. Oh, I just said it. Insignificant. I don't know why I couldn't say that word. Um, everything has meaning. It has it, it has something, some substance to it. So um, if you ever have time, it's worthy. Check it out uh, about that mountain. It's very, very interesting. Let's look at what uh, verse 22 says. So let's go back up. It says, now in the... Oh, wait, excuse me. Hmm. Let me see says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you say when you pray, let me know, no, 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 that's not it. Have faith in God. That's verse 22. Um, have, it says, so Jesus answered them and said unto them, have faith in God. And that part of the verse or the, uh, of the scripture, have faith in God. If you look at uh, the King James Version, because I did the New King James Version, it says, have the faith of God. What happens is most people don't have, they have faith. It says have faith in God. But what, what the scripture is actually saying is have the faith of God. How many of us walk around and have that same measure of faith that God has? We, we don't see what we're expecting because we don't have the measure of faith that God uses. We have the measure of faith that we use or we believe. We think that that's such great faith. But... Not in comparison to what the scripture says. The scripture says we are to have the faith of God. Greek scholars say that the literal translation of what Jesus said there was, have the God kind of faith. I would dare say almost everyone has not gotten to that place. There are many that have, but most do not have, have, uh, have the God kind of faith. If you're not seeing things happening when you're praying, I would ask you, do you have the God kind of faith? You, your um, question was, how is it that someone can have such huge faith? Is that huge faith the God kind of faith? 
to have the God kind of faith, that would require you, what are you doing with your time? How do you spend it? When you spend time, uh, do you spend it in the word? Do you spend it in praise and worship? Do you spend it in prayer? Um, do you spend it in fellowship with other believers where iron sharpening iron? Do you spend, sorry, I have something in my eye. Do you sp send it, spend it in listening to teachings? Um, whoo. This is why you don't like going live. Okay, I think I got it. Um, so, no, I didn't. <laughs> I think I got it. Um, and see, that's the, that's the whole, that's the devil trying to distract me because I'm actually, I, I know I'm penetrating somebody's heart right now because I think that people think that they have the amount of faith that they need to move mountains and they don't even, you haven't even dipped your toe into the level in which the faith that is needed. I, I speak this because when I say this, I, I'm saying this to myself, but I will tell you all I do pretty much all day long is saturate myself in the word, in teachings, listening to worship music. There is little to no other anything else that I do. Because the thing is, is time is of the essence. I want the God kind of faith. I want to say to someone, you know, that's in a wheelchair, rise up, stand up and walk. I want to be able to say to someone um, that is blind, uh, your eyes will be opened. You can see. I want somebody that's deaf to be able to hear. So, um, and, and, and various other things. I mean, we see so much healing in this church. It's crazy in comparison to any other church that I've ever attended in the past outside of revival today. And they see a monumental as well. And also, um, the river. We do. Yeah, we do. We, we do. film we, them. Huh? We film them. Yeah, we don't even we don't even film all the ones because people won't do it. Right. They refuse to dig. They're embarrassed. So right. we do film the ones that will do it. Mm -hmm. But we've had a, a lot that 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 won't. won't do it, they yeah. were not. They won't. Uh, they're not comfortable in doing it. I get that. Mm -hmm. And then we hear through the grapevine about some and that you're not going to get those either. But we see a lot. In fact, it's so funny because when Jonathan was here. Pastor Jonathan, um, uh, when he was here, one of the things he said is, I didn't even have to rev up the crowd. Like he says, the first two to three days he spends getting people to the level of faith to receive. He's like, I didn't have to do that at all. Like you walk in and this, this congregation, they're ready. Well, that's because they're taught faith every single week. Um, so uh, when you're taught it, it's already, it's embedded into you. You're not having to... Uh, give revelation knowledge to someone so the people are ready to receive automatically which yep. is a great hey listen that's a huge compliment from pastor jonathan to to the people of our church like you guys were were ready you there was open hearts to whatever he was willing to say and and to receive it yep. so yep. kudos to you guys um so when jesus said to that fig tree uh and he cursed it and it died uh, that just showed he had the God kind of faith. Um, but when you believe with, with your heart, what do you say out of your mouth? So you can say one thing with your heart and, and, and or believe one thing with your heart and say another thing out of your mouth. But I will say, that, but the scripture does say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can have faith in your heart, but you can also have doubt with your words. So, and that is very clear. In Romans 12, 3. Uh, no, that's not what the one I wanted. Hold on. That's my next one. So forget that. Um, Romans 12, 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who I who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us, each one a measure of faith. So sometimes I think people think that they're operating in that measure and they think more highly of themselves than they should, but they don't also examine. And they, hey, listen, they might be doing way better than most. I say I, say I do better than most. It's truth, I do. I see healing left and right. I've been told, you're not coming out of the hospital. And the next day, the, the, the child's coming out. And this isn't even my kid. This was somebody else's. 
uh, I didn't even know this family. Their child was given not a good, not a good report. And so it was a friend of somebody who comes to the church. I said, listen, I'll come and pray with them. Um, on the way or the night before I go, they, the parents said, yes, please have her come if she's willing to pray. We go. The mother even left the, the hospital room. Thank God, because she had doubt. She left the hospital room, left us, me and a, a friend of mine, in the room with the little girl. The Lord specifically told me what to do with this child. They were given a terrible report. The next day, she's gonna, she's out of the hospital. Praise God. All the time. You, you, if you, you know, if you're about kingdom business, you see kingdom results. But I think everybody thinks that they are using the measure that is necessary when they're not truly reflecting on how much of the world they take in on a daily basis versus the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. You don't gain in faith if you're not in the word, if you're not listening to the word, um, if you're not uh, worshiping, things like that. All of that matters. The more worlds you take in, the less results you'll get that you're you're wanting. Um, We live with a lot of tension and anxiety and things like that. That doesn't help. I mean, you have to be like those things, the cares of this world, they don't matter. It's how are you operating in your day-to-day and walk with God. It, it, it matters. Um, so you'll measure, you'll, you'll have the measure of faith if you soberly, you'll use the measure that you're given if you soberly look at yourself and think of yourself um, in the, not in the way that you want to believe that you are, but in the way that is truth. Um, Because a lot of times people are not honest with themselves. I mean, all of us have been there to some extent where we don't, are not willing to look at ourselves honestly. Um, And then if you don't do that, you're selling yourself short. If if, If you're barely saved and you think you're, you're going with flying colors into the kingdom of heaven, if you're barely saved, you're going backwards. You should be examining yourself and saying, okay, something's not right here. There's a lot of compromise in my life. I better weed that out so, you know, so I can com- uh, make sure that I enter into the kingdom of heaven. But when, a lot of times we want to hang on to the old me just enough to get us into, into heaven or get the results that we're wanting by still hanging on to this old me. That's not what God wants. He said to repent. And that means go opposite direction of of what you were going. That means you are going to be chasing after holiness. You're going to be running after the, the king. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. You have to be seeking the kingdom. You can't be just fitting God in and, and compartmentalizing him into the things that fits your convenience or your criteria. God wants all of you, not parts of you. That's just the way it is. So um, let's see. Let me ask you this. A lot of times people um, think that forgiveness uh, doesn't matter. Sin doesn't matter. If you're wanting healing for someone or or, or, or claiming something or standing on something, it absolutely does. Because um, James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, it matters. So if someone has sinned against you or you're harboring something against somebody and you're like, I have a huge amount of faith, you might. You might have the measure that that will provide that healing for you. But unforgiveness, unforgiveness cannot happen. Because it it, it finishes off, uh, 5.16 finishes off with, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In so much you forgive, you are forgiven. That's what the Bible said. So if you want to be healed, or you're standing on something for someone else. Make sure that they've forgiven everybody. That if they're saying, I have the amount of faith and I want you to stand with me, make sure there's no unforgiveness with them. If you are standing on something or, or if you're standing for healing, make sure you have forgiven everybody that needs to be forgiven. No one's worth your, you know, in so much you, you forgive, you're forgiven. No one's worth your salvation and no one's worth your healing. They're not. Just forget about it. Move on. Forgive them because it ain't. They're not thinking about you. They ain't thinking a bit about you. So don't be thinking about them. Never, never allow someone to rent space in in your mind. No one's worth it. Mark eleven twenty five through twenty six is 
So we did uh, uh, the, the verse that we started out with, with the moving of the mountains is Mark eleven twenty through 22, right? Now, if you go a little bit further down, and, and it talks about the mountain being moved, Mark eleven twenty five through 26 coincides, and it talks about forgiveness. It says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. That's what I was saying. And so much you forgive, you are forgiven. If you want, it, it talks about moving the mountain. If you want to move the mountain, you have to forgive. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. All of us have a lot to be forgiven of. I don't think there's anybody watching this that doesn't have, I have a huge amount that I've asked God to forgive me for. I cannot afford not to have that forgiveness. So I forgive everyone and anyone that harbors or has a problem with me or has done something against me. Um, it's not worth it. It's not worth salvation. So at the end of the day, you can have huge faith, but is it the God kind of faith? Compare. If, if you have the God kind of faith, have you forgiven? That's huge. Do you have sin that's unrepentant that you have to get out? That it matters. A compromise, things like that. Get rid of it. Be perfect as our Father is as perfect is what the Word says. Now, your um, acts don't get you healed. You don't work to be healed. That's a provision that's already provided for you. But there are certain criteria to receiving that healing, which unforgiveness is not an option. That's not a work. That's, an, that's just a commandment. And sin is a commandment. You cannot, do, you cannot have sin. The, the other thing is, is do you have the God kind of faith? If you don't have the God kind of faith and you're living with expectation of healing, super easy. Dig deep. Get in the word. Nothing else matters. I've heard, you know, Creflo Dollar and... Um, uh, Dodie Osteen, when they were given no hope, no hope, they were given, they were terminal and they were told you're going to die of cancer and you have little to no time. Dodie Osteen was like 24 hours. She closed herself up in her room, put uh, Bible scriptures all around it. She has an amazing testimony and did not leave. She's still alive to this day. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The word is what works. And one of my girlfriends, she told me when she was healed of cancer, one of the things that the Lord told her, and she didn't even know it was in the Bible, did not even know until I sent her the scripture. But one of the big things that the Lord told her to do, I want you to wash. It's the washing of, um, the, washing of the water of the word. And that's what it says in the Bible. You're washed in the water of the word. And that's all that the Lord kept telling, wash in the water of the word. And that's all she did, healed of cancer. But the word matters. It does. It does. Um, so if you're doing those, if you're not doing those things, get on it and uh, be honest with yourself. Do you have the faith of God, or do you have your God kind of? Or do you have your faith? Not your, not the God kind of faith, but do you have your own faith? Makes a difference. Knowing the word will transform whether or not you understand the true principles behind healing and the mustard seed of faith. That's all that matters. So, and Tracy is shaking her head yes. Because she's not going to talk very no, much. No, that's really good. That's <laughs> a very practical way to apply that question. It's kind of like a checklist to go yeah. down. To yeah. make sure that you're crossing things off. Yeah, because a lot of people say, I have a huge amount of faith. Right. But do you actually have what the words the faith that the word says you're supposed to have. Yeah. And a lot of people don't yeah. because you, they watch TV or they're on Instagram or Facebook or on their computer researching things. They're not, they're not in the word. They're in the world, but they want the word. They want the word's results yeah. without having to put the word in, into it, into right. practice. Right. That's the crazy thing to me. People want Jesus kind of results without implementing Jesus in their life. It don't work. Yep. Yep. You have to die to yourself. You might have to fast. You might have to miss a meal. Right. God forbid. Yep. But guess what? Kill that carnal nature and get that doubt and unbelief out of your heart. And bang, you see the results that you never thought you'd see before. Mm -hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. And unforgiveness, too. That was really good. A what is that? Of, a lot of people live in unforgiveness. A lot. And they don't even realize that's mm -hmm. a huge mountain. It's a huge mountain. And, and, and the thing is, is I will tell you this. For me, self 
introspection. A lot of times you have to really sit still and examine. And you might have to go through a list of prior friends, prior family that you don't have much contact with anymore. You might have to go through them and say, why do I not have contact with them anymore? Is it that I harbor ill will towards them? Or is it just, it just doesn't work anymore. But you have to be honest with yourself why you're not communicating with certain people anymore. Mm -hmm. And if it is unforgiveness, not always does that mean that you have to contact them and say, please forgive me. What it means is, is, is your heart pure? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you saw them, you would not be bitter or angry towards them. You could just see them and life would be fine. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be a big deal. You could actually, if you saw them and they needed something, you'd be more than happy to provide that to them. That's how you know if you have unforgiveness or if you've forgiven somebody. You know, it's how how you would respond to them in different scenarios and situations. Or would you actually rejoice that they're going through something difficult? A lot of times people, if they're honest with themselves, if they find out somebody that they don't like, like you worked with somebody who screwed you over and you literally can't forgive them and you don't work there anymore, but you find out they got fired, you're like, hot dog, they got their dues. Oh, that, that's unforgiveness. What you should be is like, you know what? I hope they fall back on their feet. You know, but reaping and sowing, that's reaping and sowing. God's word is always truth. Vengeance is his. I don't rejoice in their suffering, but what I do know is that God's word is God's word. You don't mess with God's righteousness. He repays. Now I'm going to just move on because I don't really care about it. But I hope they land back on their feet or they learn the lesson they need to so that they can move on. If they're Christians, you want that. If they're not, then you want them to find the Lord. So your hope isn't that they be blessed necessarily, but your hope is that they become redeemed through their own repentance and that God restores. Everybody should always want, and this is the thing I will tell you, Tom has been so good at teaching me this because I wasn't like this, but he he has taught me everybody is redeemable. And our hope is that everybody will be redeemed and restored. And he is absolutely right because I used to be back in the day, I'd be like, I don't want them to go to heaven. I mean, go to hell, but I, I want them to go to heaven. But being redeemed with me, I could care less. Right. But that's not, that's not, true forgiveness is redemption all the time. Mm-hmm. Restoration all the time. Mm-hmm. That's truth. Yeah. And so if you can honestly be true to yourself and looking at that question and answering it as honestly as you possibly can and know that, yeah, I, I want them to be restored. I want them to redeem. Then you're in great shape. Mm-hmm. But most people, they rejoice when they find out somebody who has done them wrong mm-hmm. is getting their dues. You know, they are. But the Bible is clear on that. Don't rejoice. Do not be happy about that. So next question. It's very similar to the first question, but still different. It says, what's the difference between unbelief and denial when facing issues of faith? Now, I will tell you, I love, love, love what Kenneth Copeland, and you can love him or hate him all you want to, but the man has done and seen mighty miracles of God. And if you can... If you can say you've done the same, then toss out what he has to say. But if you haven't come close to what he's done for the kingdom, then maybe you need to be a little quiet and listen to what he has to say and say, I might be able to learn something from the guy. Okay? Because you don't have to like everybody's, but if they're doing better than you, you might want to listen to them. Right? So what he said is... uh, It's so good. He said, there's a big difference between faith and denial. Denial ignores natural facts and chooses to believe something else, even though there is no foundation for it. Faith, on the other hand, has good reason for what it believes. Faith doesn't ignore the facts. It overrides them with a higher reality. That is truth. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's what Hebrews says. I'm going to tell you this story. Uh, Kenneth Hagin, uh, this is such a great story. When Kenneth Hagin was, um, and this is for people that talk about denial, right? Uh, when you take those pictures, do not take my, I have no shoes on. So don't take my shoes, of, my pictures of my feet. We're, we're live, people, seriously. So uh, you don't take my, oopsie, my hair. You could sell those. Sell my feet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feet pics. People are into that. That's disgusting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Tracy says big money. You're not on the... 
I really don't want. I mean, I did just get my toes done. Yeah, see, that's that's super big cute. money. Big money. Big money when your feet just get done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There are like apps for that. That's disgusting, people. That's disgusting. Degenerates. Degenerates, exactly. <laughs> Although my husband does love my feet. He See? thinks they're cute. Yeah. But but not in a sick sort of way. Yeah. Well, that's sick, right? I'm not crazy? That's, yeah, okay, Tracy says that's sick. Do you think that's sick, Aaron? Yeah, people have feet fetishes, yeah. But you think that's sick, too. I mean, yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. think Naz's no, feet I like are my, super cute, Yeah, I right? like my wife's feet, but, but I, no, I'm not a foot person. Yeah, that's, that's disgusting. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you're a foot person, I would just offended you. I, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I am not sorry. sorry that's not weird. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry, not sorry. That's gross. But don't take pictures on my feet. Uh, okay, so. They will be up later on Instagram if you'd like to see. Oh, my gosh. Pictures of uh, Hope's, Hope's new pedicure. Yeah. <laughs> we have a subscription option, so you can pay monthly. Aaron, this is Aaron's last Friday. Yeah. I mean, like Aaron's last podcast. He's living it up right now. He's, yeah. While Tracy's taking pictures, Aaron's running the thing. Okay, so here's the thing. Because my daughter is not with me t- today. Norma is in South Africa. Well, actually, she's in... Where's she at, Tracy? Mtata. <laughs> I wish you could see her face. Mtata. Mtata. She's in Mtata at a Jesus Crusade with Bea and Daniel. Uh, so with Take the Nations. This is this is the first night of the crusade. So uh, uh, she's not here taking pictures. Okay, I digress. Let me get back on the thing about denial and faith. Denial and faith, right? Isn't that what it is? Faith, oh, unbelief and denial. Okay. Which I think basically, I I say unbelief and denial. I guess what I just, I'm talking about faith and denial. But that doesn't apply. Actually, I'm thinking about that because you're talking about unbelief and denial. I'm going to tell you this anyway because this story does apply to it. So here's the thing. Kenneth Hagin, when he... Um, he actually, um, at a very young age, he was given no chance to live. Um, um, he was a Baptist. He didn't know anybody that knew about faith, but he dug into the word while he, I mean, literally he was bedridden. He couldn't do anything else. I mean, he could probably done other things, but he chose to read the Bible and get in the word. And through the word, he found his healing because he realized that healing was for today. And then he just spent time in prayer Talked to God all the time. God gave him revelation knowledge, which made the word become more real because then he found more uh, truths about faith and about healing. So this story is after he's been healed and he's um, no longer gotten a death sentence over himself and he's out of the bed and he's now going to church. He was ministering, but he wasn't married but, you know, he knew so much about the word. Now he's going out and he's ministering in churches um, and, and visiting churches and going to church. So this story is where he went to um, ch- a church service. He woke up one morning and half of his face, he had bald palsy. He didn't realize that half of his face had fallen. So he goes to church. He goes with his friend and she's like, dude, what's wrong with your face? And he's like, I don't know. I woke up. Half my face was like this and the other half is normal. So he goes to church and he asks the pastor to pray over him um, before they leave. And the pastor absolutely does. Now, this is the difference between Kenneth Hagin and everybody else that doesn't receive healing. He knew that when he prayed, he received. And what he, his big thing is, is, uh, and it works because it just worked for me with my back. My, I, my back, uh, not last week, the week before. I don't normally have back problems when when I do, I'm I'm in so much pain. It's like at least a week. So I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck? What's wrong with my back? And I applied what he said. So I prayed instantly. I said um, I prayed instantly. And then what Kenneth Hagin says, and he does this when well he doesn't do it anymore. He passed away, but he would do this. He's like, I believe I received. At this time, on this date. So that's what I did. I said, I said, I believe I received healing for my back at this. When I prayed, I, uh, I would say, let's just use this. I believe I received 
at 420 on April 30th when I prayed for healing from my back. So he always spoke what he believed he had already received. So what he did is he he applied that. He When that pastor prayed, he knew what time he prayed. He knew the date. He goes um, home, and his friend was, like, talking about his face, how it's still – he's like, I, I'm healed. And she's like, you don't look healed. I'm healed. And he would just say, keeps repeating, I believe I received, right? Next morning. Now, let me go back. They go home. He takes walks her home, and then – takes him to see, takes him up to this girl's mom and said, hey, mama, look at his face. Is he healed? And she's like, no, he's not healed. The next morning, he wakes up. Now, they laughed at him. They mocked him because he said, I am healed. And they thought he was in denial. They even said, you're in denial. You're not healed. He's like, I'm not, I'm not in denial. I know what the word of God says. My faith, my face just has to cup, catch up with my faith. And what I believe, because I believe I am healed. So the next morning he wakes up and guess what? His face is exactly the way the one half is now the same as the other half. They both coincide. Now that doesn't just happen. That happens because when people spoke doubt and unbelief and denial over him, he said, no, I know what the word of God says. I know what my faith says and faith is a substance of hope things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen i mean people can say that you're into i've had lots of people say um about different faith things that people are standing on you're living in denial well okay if that's if you want your life to reflect that which when the word of god says that these things shall come to pass and they haven't come to pass and somebody wants to say that you're living in denial, let them say that you're living in denial. That's their faith. That's what they believe. And they will think you're crazy for standing in faith and having no doubt. Okay? Let them. Because they'll see nothing. That's what James says. They'll be tossed like the wind. You doubt and unbelief. You have doubt and unbelief in your life and you still say you have faith. It says that man shouldn't expect nothing because he believes two different things. He's like a tossed a man tossed to and fro in a wave. You're like, you're not going to get anything. That is what it says in James. So let them live that kind of faith. But you live with the faith that the word says you can have. Even when people will think you're crazy. The worst thing that can happen is, is you don't see the results that you're believing for. The best thing that can happen is you see it more often than not. And I will tell you, that's how me and Tom have lived. And we see more things happen than not. Because we live in a faith that we believe we received when we prayed. And, and I would, I would t- tell you to, uh, so when I woke up and my back was out, my back, I, for two days, I was in severe pain. And I would constantly say, I believe I received. And you know what? By the third day at noon, I realized, oh my gosh, my back doesn't hurt. And I went to bed in severe pain. I, but I never stopped. I was like, I know I'm healed. That's I don't awesome. care what my back says. I don't care what, you know, my mind wants to tell me or the pain saying. I believe I received, and I would always say that. Next morning, I mean, clearly I woke up in no pain, but I only realized it at noon the following day because it was gone. So I will tell you that it works. Try it. You might like it. But don't let other people speak death over you. Don't let them speak uh no faith over you. Reject it. And I'll be honest with you, Tom and I, when people want to speak negativity, and we advise people when they're believing for something. If somebody wants to speak doubt and unbelief over you, tell them, don't, I don't want to hear it. That's not a conversation that we're going to have. That is opposite of what I'm believing for. Just shut it down. That what happens is if you listen to what they say, seeds are planted, and then you have to root, uproot all that doubt and unbelief that they're planting. And that's not cool. Agreed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've seen huge things happen in your family and with friends. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why is because you were very careful about who spoke into their lives or who spoke into your life, correct? Yeah, very careful who I even tell. Like, not even opening my mouth about it. Yeah. Or pray about it. Yeah. Because you don't want God's will people praying over your situation. It it says, uh, the Lord's Prayer says it's his will to heal every time because it's as in heaven. Heaven has no sickness, disease, or anything. Proverbs are impoverished, right? Right. So 
for me, it's like God's will is every single time. But that God's will statement is the doubt and unbelief that they that exist in that own, that that person's heart. Absolutely. So, and Aaron shaking his head yes in full agreement. He agrees too. Um, next question. I hope that answered. That was pretty. That that's self explanatory, right? That was great. Yeah, like yeah. the Kenneth Hagen thing explains, really like, good. don't listen to people. Yes. Like, right? Okay. Yes. That, that's what came to mind when I read that. I'm like, yeah. people thought he was in complete denial. Yeah. But he wasn't in denial. Yeah. He knew what God's word said. Kenneth Copeland, right? No, Kenneth Hagen was okay. the one Hagen. about Ball's palsy. But but I love Kenneth Copeland's uh, statement. Yeah, me too. Because it's true. Me too. Okay. Yep. Next question is, there is a fine line between submitting and supporting a spouse and enabling behavior. Can you define the two biblically? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I wish you would have given me the example or an example of what you're referring to about submitting and enabling because that would really have helped me to answer this question. But if you go to our church, which I don't know if you do or not, but if you go to our church, then that might expose you so I understand why because we might know know you and so then you're going to be like well then you'll know who I am so and this is supposed to be private so let's look at scripture and this scripture we're going to talk about is a husband and wife relationship along with uh how marriage is coincides with um the church and Jesus right because we are the bride of Christ but it's the best scripture because it explains how a husband and wife are to be set up the church replicates a marriage with a husband and wife it says um, in Ephesians 5 through 23 it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to Christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything now this next um this next verse is super important. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. There you go. That's the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That is a high standard for a husband to live by. Women, if your husband is living to that standard, then it should be no issue with you submitting. Now, do all husbands live to that standard? No, they sure don't. But still submitting, you have a job to do. So even if they don't meet that standard, you still have to do your part. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. This is super important. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You notice it didn't say the wife. The wife has to leave her mother and father. Mm-hmm. It says the fa- So there's something about a son leaving his parents. Mm-hmm. I know Aaron didn't have that problem. He's a pretty independent guy. Yeah. But I've known other men. It's very difficult for them very difficult for them this is a great mystery but i but i speak concerning christ in the church nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband okay now we're gonna i'm gonna hit two things right now because it needs to be understood i'm gonna talk about the church the husband and wife relationship between the church and jesus and what how a shepherd how the pastor is like the shepherd in that relationship with the church. Does that make sense? Because I think it's super important that people understand uh, what that looks like so that a husband and a wife, it's like the shepherd and the congregation, Mm -hmm. and then a husband and a wife. They're very similar. Yeah. Very similar. And when you don't, and, and I, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's so funny to me because when wives live with a husband they don't respect and they live in anger towards him when they come into a church, that's why I, I think we have a lot of wussy pastors right now because men are such 
like they're weak, especially a lot of these pastors today. Pastors are so weak. They have, they're beat down by their wives. It's true. They are. Women are, you know, co-pastoring. I've seen it excellent very few times. Yeah. Most of the time when a husband and a wife are co-pastoring, the wife's actually running the show. I believe it. She's running the show and she's got a voice to be heard and she's daggummit going to be made sure that that happens. So most of the time we're seeing men uh, that are pastors that are super weak. You find a pastor who's like Tom that's super strong and women uh, don't want to submit and women um, don't respect their husband like the Bible says you're supposed to do and women um, are irritated with their husband that they usually are very offended and bothered by Tom, but it stems from their relationship with their husband, right. whether they want to believe it or not, whether they whether they want to be honest about it or not. Almost always those women have a huge submit, submission problem and it's submission problem stems from them feeling like they should be in control when it's not biblical. So they're out of order in their marriage, biblically speaking, or their husband hasn't stepped up to, to the plate and been a good priest of the home so they have no respect for him. So now they're mad at men or mad at a strong man. So almost, I haven't met one woman yet. Would you guys disagree with me yet? I mean, would you disagree with me? Like I've been in church and almost every woman that I've ever spoken to that has been irritated with Tom, which doesn't happen very much, but I'm just saying almost always they've left and been mad, but they wear the pants in the house. Yeah. I they know. wear the pants and they're out of order. Right. They can't see it though. Right. And they would give you every excuse why they have to wear the pants mm -hmm. because their husband doesn't do it. Right. Okay. Well, the, you're under somebody who does do it right and you can't handle that. Right. It's a reflection. Yeah. It's just, but they go together. So here's mm -hmm. verses 25 through 27 is, uh, is, is almost non-existent in the church. And let's go back to it. 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her for the washing of the watering of the word, and he might present her to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Do we see that in the church today? No, we don't, because the Bible's not preached. Holiness is not taught. It's uh, Jesus, church, bride, 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 right? Husband is like Jesus. The wife is like the church. My son just walked in. Hey, Tommy. Hello. I love you. Husband and wife marriage should look exactly like the church. And it doesn't because most pastors are weak. They're wussies. Yep. You know, they, they, they cannot stand up to anybody in the congregation. And when they do, it's the wrong ones, right? Because... They definitely would never stand up to the person that gives the most in the church. God forbid they lose that tithe and offering. It's true. You know, never in a million years. But they'll get really mad at somebody and they'll take it out on the person that's the lowest risk to them. It's just so funny to me. Uh, no, you know what's. Say it. <laughs> uh, no danglies. Okay, there you go. No dingle dangles. <laughs> we saw a lot of those in Tennessee. What? Bojangles. Oh, that, listen, have you, did you eat at Bojangles? <gasps> I wasn't a fan. She only wanted... Um, Hattie B's. Hattie B's. Oh, Hattie B's is so good in Nashville. Delicious. But uh, Bojangles, so good. I was willing. Oh, I love Bojangles. Um, let's see. Now you got me all off. Okay, so let's look at, um, I'm going to look at, because we go to this church, so we'll look at, and Tom is a strong pastor, but he's also a strong priest of the home, mm -hmm. and he's super easy to live with. I, people get bothered that he makes, teases me, or they think that, sometimes people have thought that Tom was mean, being mean to me um, while he was preaching, and I'm laughing the whole entire time. Uh, like, if, if. He knows my personality so well. He knows that nothing really offends me. Nothing really bothers me. Actually, I, I like laughing at me. You know, I think it's pretty dang funny. Uh, but people have literally been upset with him and thought he was mean to me, mm -hmm. which he's not, people. Just so you know, I'm having as much fun as he is while he's up there. Yeah. I'm laughing. I think it's great. You are. You know, it doesn't bother me a bit. He's the easiest. Listen, 
he has set the standard. We know what lines to cross, what not. And there's a lot of lines you can cross. He's pretty low maintenance. But when it comes to biblical principles, you're not crossing those lines. Sin is not allowed um, in our home. Um, and he's pretty easygoing on pretty much everything. But when it comes to sin, you're not doing it. There's no gossip in our home. There, I mean, like when things go on in this church, I don't even know about them because he's not going to tell me about a lot of them. Like it just doesn't happen. So when there's lines that are not crossed because of sin or because of major compromise, we don't do that in our house, but pretty much everything else is, is easy. Um, and he's pretty much easy to live with, but he's also at this church. Uh, both of you work for Tom. Would you say he's difficult to work with or would you say he's easy? And, and you guys can be flat out honest if you want. It doesn't bother me a bit for you to say what you want to say. Go ahead, okay. Tracy, um, you're first. You haven't worked for him as long. So. Yeah, no, I, I love working for him because I know exactly where I stand with him. I know if he likes something, he's going to say it. If he doesn't, he's going to let but me But is know. he mean about things? No. No, he's no, not. He's not pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, he's very straightforward. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, There's no but he's easy bush. going. But super the, easy going. And yeah. Very funny. Yeah, very super funny. funny. Even like, listen, we were in a staff meeting a couple weeks ago, and I kind of stepped out of order. He didn't embarrass me. But afterwards, people were still in the room, and he gave me correction. But even when he gave me correction, it wasn't mean and nasty and degrading or anything. And then in front of everybody in the following staff meeting, he basically said, this is what happened. This isn't going to happen again. And he was very, I thought he was very respectful even of me, even though I stepped out of order. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? absolutely. I mean, transparency, people. We have staff meetings and whatever. So, like, even in that He's a very strong leader, but he's not disrespectful, I don't think. But but go ahead, Aaron. What were you going to say? Because you've worked with him since you were 19 to oh, now. He is super easy to work with. The least micromanaging human being I've ever worked with. Oh, yeah. He's super much. <laughs> if he puts you in charge, he trusts you. Correct. And that's the thing is, like, I think that other other uh, CEOs and bosses and whatever they happen to be or pastors, like, should take notes of that. Because, like, if you trust somebody enough to put them in that position, you should trust them enough to actually do their job in that position. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I am not a micromanager, right. but I am making sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. I'm way more than he is. But I'm not a micromanager, no. I don't think. Because no, uh-uh, no, I hate not. being micromanaged. Yeah, yeah. But but there's something to be said for all of that. You're, you're just making sure, because you are very specific, just as he is, that – the specifics are taken care of, but you're not micromanaging. There's a right. difference. Yeah, There's a huge I difference. agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree too. Plus, he's put me in charge of that, so yeah. I have to. I'll answer to him. Yeah. I don't want to answer for him. <laughs> to him for that. Um, so let me just say this: there have been times in the past that people have thought, like a, a good pastor, he loves his congregation. He he brings conviction to his congregation. He corrects. And he protects. That is what a husband is supposed to do for his his wife. Um, and a pastor that loves the body of Christ will do the same thing because that's his job. You, he's the tangible Jesus, all right? So he is, is not that he's Jesus, but he is to be the shepherd of the flock. He's to protect the flock. A shepherd has multiple jobs, and and so there have been people at times that are like, he's preaching, and uh, we, we've um, he'll be standing at the door, and he'll be like, like um, he'll have said something. And they're like, I don't do that, and he's like, well, then it's not for you. They were not necessarily offended, but they were bothered that he was preaching on a specific subject, or he called out something, and then they were like that wasn't me or that's not me. And he's like, well, there's about 800 other people in the building and it's not going to be for everybody. If you've got that one particular thing nailed down, then ignore what I'm saying. Don't be offended or bothered, but it is for someone else in that room. Um, It's just like worshiping. Sometimes he critiques the worship. And Tracy told a great story about this if you want to tell it, but he critiques the worship sometimes because there will be multitudes that are worshiping, but there will be a bigger multitude that is not. And so he is trying to um, press people in and to, to having a deeper uh, 
relationship with the Lord. And that's done through worship. But Tracy told me this story. I think it's so funny. Um, not funny, funny, but I think it's very apropos for right for this topic. Yeah. So go ahead. Was it when I first started coming? Yeah. 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 Um, I was worshiping more like solemnly and just like kind of had my hands like down and was just worshiping. Because you came from a woke church. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't against raising my hands, but I also wasn't like, I don't know if I was super comfortable with it, but I was pushing myself outside of it. And then I knew I was supposed to, but I didn't. And then he got up and totally was like, you guys did not look like you were here to worship God today. He's worthy. And that's just like something that always rings in my head is like, he's worthy. He's Even worthy. if you show up and you're having an off day, like God's worthy. Amen. No matter what. Bring it. So, and it didn't, I didn't get offended. I was like, I already knew, like I already knew. And then ever since then, it's never looked like that. Yeah. But here's the thing. There were other people in that room oh, yeah. that that were actually worshiping him in spirit and truth. Yeah, they were yeah. actually oh, doing yeah. what none of them were offended or bothered. Nope. You actually took the correction with conviction yeah. and said, what part do I play in this? Right. How do I change? But I guarantee you, I guarantee you there are other people that are like, uh, why is he talking to me like that? That shouldn't be me. I'm not doing that. Right. He has no right. Right. Right? right, but it's like no, he does have a right because he is the tangible Jesus. He's the shepherd. Yeah. He needs to prod people right. to have that deeper walk. If if he hadn't have said that, you would maybe stayed with worshiping like this and half hearted. Yeah, but yeah. he spurred you on. Right, that's the difference. A loving pastor, a loving husband, propels you to greater things. Right, and to be better than what you are. Right, you know, it's all in how you receive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you willing to be to receive it? Are you so prideful yeah. that uh, you're offended that your husband brings correction to you? And I'm not saying that this is what's happening here. Yeah. I'm just saying that Tom comes to me sometimes and he's like, I see this. Now, do with it what you want. And then a lot of times I'm like, well, that's Holy Spirit, right? That makes me be better. Or I'll see him doing something and I'm like, oh, he... I'm not being left behind. Yeah. He's going somewhere. I'm going with him. Yeah. Like that's what a good priest of the home does. Um, do, do they get it right every time? No. Do they fail? Yeah. But are they getting it right more than they're failing? 100%. And that's what matters. So a husband is the priest of the home, just like he, uh, a shepherd is the pastor. Both of them coincide. They, I can tell you right now, Tom would die for this congregation, just like Jesus would die for the bride. Does your husband, is he willing to give his life up for you? That's super important. Um, but I would say to you is, do you, you respond to him? If he is not the priest of the home, do you still submit? Or do you say, I'm not submitting until you act like the priest of the home? Because he's responsible and he'll answer to God for the part that he plays or doesn't play. But you will too. And how you perform under the biblical standard that God has provided for wives, you will also be judged and you will also be held accountable for. So I would tell you, whether or not he's meeting and rising to the standard that he needs to, you still, you go. Because God will bless your socks off for being obedient. I will tell you this, though. If he is wanting you to do things that are not biblical, do not submit to them. It, there's a line that is drawn. If a husband asks a wife to do things that are not biblical, then you don't do it. So if he says, I'm not going to church, I want you to stay home. You say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's not biblical. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. You still go. You still go. It does, if he wants to stay home, that's on him. You don't submit to that. You don't submit to things that are not biblical, okay? Um, now, here's the thing. Enabling and submitting are two different things. You do not enable bad behavior. You do not endorse things that even if it's not biblical and I I try and think of something enabling so I I see that's where I wish I knew what you were talking about as far as submitting and bad behavior because or enabling because I don't know what what 
is wanting to be enabled. You're, you might be saying I enable him. Um, I can't think of anything like, what about like complaining? Like if they're, but like, complaining's not really not being a good priest of the home. I mean, people right. complain, but like, I'm trying to think of not things that are, that might be biblical, but enabling. Like people could still drink one drink and not, and not go and not be drunk. But is it the wisest of things? But that's still not sin. Um, okay. Uh, so the thing is, is it says that a, 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 this will go for husbands. A husband that does not provide for his own is worse than an infidel. So if a husband is not providing for his family, an infidel is a sinner, right? So a wife... You can't enable, like, if he can't keep a job, because I have known this so many times. God, these these wives are supporting their homes, mm -hmm. and the husband doesn't do a daggum thing. Or if he does, he gets fired all the time. Yeah. He can't keep a job. He either quits it or he's fired, right, for whatever reason. So you can't enable that bad behavior, because if he came home and he got fired or he quit another job, and he hasn't a good excuse Every single time this happens, you don't enable that and say, oh, honey, I know they just lost the best thing. I don't know why this keeps happening to you. You're a great guy. You know, you don't enable like that. His, his job is to provide for the, for the family. That's his job. It says in the word very clearly that's his job. So, but I can't think of another one that you might be enabling, but I have definitions. So biblical submission. Submission means to voluntarily take a position where you put your trust in someone else and heed the relationship. Submission is not slavery, coercion, manipulation, intimidation, misguidance, or suppression. Suppression. So if that's what's being asked of you to do, that's not submitting and you don't need to do that. A faithful husband willingly lays down his life for his wife. He is not a tyrant. This is what Paul said. Paul said this, and I'm paraphrasing. A, a faithful husband willingly lays down um, his life for his wife. He is not a tyrant who forces her to submit to his sinful human desires, but, um, but abandons his own will, affections, and needs for her sake. That is what a priest of a home looks like, and then a wife submits to that authority and respects him. Okay, You may not like it. I was just telling Tommy one time, uh, Tom basically said, this is the church we're going to attend. And I was like, I don't want to go to that church. I don't. And this is before we ever had our church. And I was like, I don't want to go to that church. And I gave him the reasons why. And he's like, I feel like we should go to this church. This is where our family's going to go. I didn't get nasty. I didn't get mean. I didn't give him the what for. Even though I did not agree with it. At the end of the day, the buck stops there. That's where he felt like we were supposed to go. So I shut my mouth. I went to that church and I got involved in it heavily involved in it just so happens several years later and this is the kind of man Tom is I think we attended that church for four or five years and when it was all said and done Tom Tom came to me and he said I should have listened to you you were right I was wrong that's what a good husband does that's what a good priest of the home does but I submitted and I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say to him ever why we attended there this is why I didn't want to come here this is why I didn't want to come here. Do you see that? This is why I don't want to come here. I never did that. That's where God honors you. Mm -hmm. Shut your mouth. Follow your husband. Nothing horrible happened to us while we went there. And as soon as things that started going a little shady did, we were out. Because that's the kind of man he is. And I can trust him with that. But have there have been times in our marriage that I had to shut my mouth and submit? Yeah, there is. That's my job. I submit to his authority. I respect him. I love him. Not everything that he does have I always said I thought was the best decision. But he has to do with, and he's been right a lot of times where when I didn't necessarily agree with it or I thought, eh, I don't know, he's been right. You're not going to agree with everybody all the time. We're not the same people. And I'll be honest with you, I don't agree with myself all the time either. I hate myself sometimes. Okay, you're not going to. Just the way life is. But enabling is when you directly or indirectly support someone's unhealthy behavior 
or harm or harmful tendencies. You do not enable bad behavior. Period. Especially if you have children. So I don't even know if this person has kids, but if you have children, they will see that. And you will send them right into the hands of someone, if it's a girl, into the hands of someone like that or to somebody's completely opposite but not might, might, but might not be a godly man because they want nothing to do with God because they see the representation of your husband. So does that make sense? That was really good. Good examples too. Really? Yeah. Because it was kind of confusing to me no. at times, but I was... No, I think you did a good job okay. with the work. I'm not trying to get praise or anything, but at the same time, if I need to correct yeah, something, yeah. I'm hoping that you understand what I'm saying because seriously, I have no idea what vein of submission enabling you're talking about. So for me, being so broad, using a broad scope of mm -hmm. things yeah. is very difficult. Yeah. But hopefully that helped you. If not, write in again and maybe I'll... There you go. I don't know. Send another question. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Now I've gone way past. We've probably lost everybody because they can't stay on for an hour. Nope, we're good. People, God bless you for staying on. I love you for it. But we're to the most important thing ever, which is salvation. Do you know Jesus? Have you known him or have you never known him? And today's your day if you want it to be. I invite you. Let's. We're going to do this fast because I've kept people on super long. We are now past almost five minutes, correct? Yep. Oh, six minutes and 40-something seconds. So we're going to do this fast. Listen, if you need Jesus, I'm just the girl for you. Let's say this prayer together. Get you saved, then let us know if you got saved, and we're going to stand alongside with you, right? Let's say this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. My sins. I thank you for what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Let us know. We want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. Let us know if you need a good church. We're going to try and help you out in that direction as well. Otherwise, I'll see you on Sunday here if you got saved. Other, and I'm expecting everybody that's watching this that lives in the area, you better be coming here. That's all I got to say. There's no other place in town outside of if, unless you live in Tampa or near Tampa. You could go there, but we're the best thing going in town, right? Yeah, we know it. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your Wednesday night. And that's it. See ya. Bye. Real talk.